0: And uh, that's the, uh, in the Bibles, maybe someone could uh, look up Colossians 4 and tell us what page, because if you're new to Bible study, uh, you may not know exactly where that is, 985. So 985, and if you're new to Christianity, just we'll find the larger number, which is the four, and then uh, we're going to start in in verse 2. So it is a joy to be with you. Greetings from Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, the beauty of uh, being embarrassed, uh, I got the mic last and uh, he knew that was coming. And uh, what, what he didn't tell you is, like, the, the reason I wanted him to pass it to me is because um, I was hitting those shots and, uh, and we, we, we won. We won a lot, right? And so I'm like, if you want to win, pass me the ball. All right. If you want to just get some exercise and break a s- sweat... Then post up and do what you do, right? But if you want to win, rebound, my miss shot, kick it back out, I'll shoot it again, right? And we get after it. So, well, it is, uh, it's a joy. I love your pastor. Uh, I love his heart. Uh, for Jules and I and our kids, uh, we love his preaching. Uh, he's gifted, uh, and he preaches truth that's um, absolutely filled with grace. And I just could listen to uh, my brother teach this good book, Hours Upon Hours. And uh, that's a gift from God. And so you are a blessed church to have this brother teaching you this book. And so praise be to God. So here's what I want to do this morning in the three hours that I have. I uh, come on, get some more coffee. So so here's what I would like to do, attempt to do. Um, I'm going to be exhorting those who are followers of Christ this morning, those who are Christians, in how to share the gospel. Before we get there, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, we're so grateful you're here. We truly are. But we also want to ask you to forgive us, and I say us, I mean and in, in, in the way uh, not necessarily just this church, but just Christians sometimes, as we try to reach non Christians those who are not believers, we don 't do it in the most effective way oftentimes, um, oftentimes we 're arrogant, uh, oftentimes uh, we 're not full of grace, um, we do it in, in certain ways, so if you 're not a Christian this morning and you have experienced that, please accept our our forgiveness and, and as we ask for it this morning. Um, because we truly, genuinely, as we followed this book and followed this man named Jesus, we desired that the whole world would worship him, all seven billion people. And that starts one at a time, but sometimes we don't come across that, well, we're, we're, we're passionate about these things. But sometimes we don't get these things right. And so just, uh, but listen in this morning. Listen in if you're here this morning, you're not a believer. If you are a believer, listen well, and, and, and let's learn together. And, uh, and, and, and let's, let's think about this as well. That Christians, wouldn't it be sweet if we were known more for our hospitality than our hypocrisy? And we'd be known more for our gratitude and generosity and grace than our grumbling. Right? That would be a miracle. So may God do this work. So Colossians chapter 4. Let me give you the context. This is one of those churches the Apostle Paul didn't make it to. Um, I've been to Colossae. It's an incredible area. I studied some over there. Um, probably three, four hours away is a town called Ephesus, which we get our letter Ephesians, right? Paul's writing to these folks at Ephesus. They're called the Ephesians. The folks that lived in Colossae were called the Ecclesians. And so there was a man named Epaphras who was in Ephesus. And as he's there, he's hearing Paul preach the gospel. And he comes to faith. And then he goes back to his hometown there in Colossae and basically plants a church and, and is so overwhelmed with um, unbiblical truth being taught. Some heresies arising in a city that they didn't have uh, American Airlines back in the day, right? And so he's, he loves the fidelity of the gospel so much that he travels to Rome Finds Paul expresses these concerns. Paul somehow gets arrested in Rome. We'll learn that from Philemon 23 and Colossians 4. But but he gets arrested. He's probably in jail with him. And then Tychicus is one of these servants of Paul that he gives this letter, and it gets back to the people at Colossae. I mean, th- this is this letter that we have this morning. You're holding on an incredible letter that a brother traveled thousands of miles probably by foot and boat and who knows what, to, to ask about truth. And, and, and Paul writes this. That's what's in your lap this morning. That's a gift. That's a real gift, this book, this book called the Bible. And so in chapter 4, let's, let's get in it, and hopefully it'll get in us. Verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it, with Thanksgiving, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am a prison in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to, to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely toward out making making the best use of the time, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is God's Word. Let's pray together. Father, we ask this morning that you would teach us this morning. That it would be you who help us to navigate through this text in in hopes that it would navigate our hearts and that we wouldn't just be informed this morning, but we would be truly transformed at the core of our heart, our affections. And so God, would, would you, would you work this morning through your word? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was about 20 plus years ago that I saw this beautiful woman uh, at the gym working out and I didn't want to be too cheesy and go up and try to flex in front of her and hand her my number, Uh, but I noticed her beauty. And then the the, the beautiful part was the next Sunday, the first time i had ever attended a small group uh, class in our church. The same woman walked in, was helping with the class. Then this class went out to lunch that particular Sunday, and I knocked a few people out of the way to sit beside this particular lady at lunch, and uh, we became great friends. And um, as we began to become better friends, we we started hanging out quite a bit, um, and then um, just uh, one particular. Sunday afternoon, um, we were playing tennis. This particular lady is Julie, my now wife. And as we we're playing tennis, it was on this particular day that the tennis match stopped. It's a Sunday afternoon, beautiful day, three o'clock. Beautiful day in Carolina, Carolina blue day. Hello, thebeety, and uh, and and as as we. Uh, she, she's headed up to the to the to the tennis net to the net at the tennis court, and she's like, "Come here." And I, I start. I'm like, "Man, she wants to pause in the middle of the match to have a, just a maybe small kiss uh, at the net, maybe just a little affectionate showing, right?" And as I begin to get closer to her, I noticed that was not the look on her face, and uh, and I was like, "We." She she says these words to me. She says, "We need to have a DTR." And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't even know what that means. And she's like, we need to define the relationship. And I'm like, oh, goodness. And this is how I answered. Please don't ever do this. Please. I answered this particular question. Jules, right now, I'm not kissing any other ladies. That's the one. Yes. It's Horrible. The tennis match stopped. She exited the tennis court. I walked behind her, not wondering what was going on. Uh, the conversation went somewhat well, and then other parts of it did not. And I began to, to think through these things with her, and because she's a communications major from UNC Chapel Hill, she's a Morehead Scholar finalist. She said, I didn't even apply to Chapel Hill. I couldn't get in. And, and, and so as as we're starting to do these things and and and, and they're not going that well, um, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a rough day. And, and yet then by God's grace, as time moved forward and I learned how to communicate, um, because where I'm from in Southern Virginia, like my people, I love my people in Southern Virginia. We just don't use a lot of words, right? I mean, there's a, few, we, there's a few noises that we make, and that covers about 15 words, right? And, and we know it's pretty good for the environment. I don't know. But, but it's, it's, um, it, it, that's just the way we would communicate. Well, as Jules and I began to move forward and wanting to engage in marriage, um, I realized I needed to be more effective in my communication. So our first year of marriage... I found 200 feeling words that I inserted in my day timer and I tried to use two a day every day our first year of marriage I didn't know what a few of them meant but I used them right and it was amazing how God blessed our first year of marriage and the way we learned to communicate with one another well listen If I would go to that degree to learn how to communicate, how much more should we, should we go to every effort to communicate the gospel, to be effective in our sharing of this good news, not perfect, but effective in the way we share. And so I believe Paul helps us this morning in this book and shows us five ways and, and they're one word. So, so there's five. It's a lot of points. I usually don't preach this many points. But, but there's five five ways I believe we could be effective in our evangelism. This, these, these truths could serve you in your sharing of the gospel. Now notice the first one in verse 2 and 3. Let, let's share the gospel as a church, right? If if Anacostia River Church, if it's if its mission, if its purpose, right, is to glorify God by making disciples, right, from the four corners of the block to the four corners of the globe. Like, how do we do that effectively? Right? Well, number one is this. Let's share the gospel prayerfully. Let's share the gospel prayerfully. Let's think through this, right? This is Paul. He he's notice in verse. Two, he actually says to continue. He could have said in prayer, but he says steadfastly in prayer. Every time you see explosion of gospel proclamation in the book of Acts, it was always preceded by prayer, fervent, consistent prayer. Asking God to open doors, asking God to do great things this this idea of of prayer right it shows our dependence on god we're not informing god he's sovereign but it's a dependence it's as much for you as it is to connect with him and prayer prayer is this this way that that god's ordained for us to be in constant communion with the living god of the universe and so and think about this Think about this, A.R.C. If, if Paul, the Apostle Paul needed prayer, you and I probably need prayer to be able to share this good news. He says steadfastly, and notice what he says. He says in prayer, being watchful in it. Notice that word, watchful. This is a, an awareness of who you're talking to. There's an alertness. This isn't just, just something you check off. This is, in one sense, stepping out of time and into eternity and talking to the living God of the universe. There's a, an alertness. He says to be watchful in your prayers. Jules and I were on vacation one time, and we had all four kids. And the ages were probably seven, five, three, and 1. And we were going to load up on this rickshaw and ride around the beach. And as we were there trying to get the kids onto the rickshaw... Um, I began to panic because I'm always doing head count with multiple children. And, and I noticed only three at this particular time and did not have the fourth. And um, I began to raise my voice and say, Jules, where is Emmy? Where does she go? And Jules, in her kindness, looked at me and she says, Dave, you're holding her. <laughs> and I'm like, I just it simply was not alert. wasn't being watchful and trying to gather the family, right? This is sometimes the way we pray, isn't it, right? This is sometimes how we, we pray. We're just, we're not attuned a to who and what we're doing. Notice what he says, how to, how to do this prayer. It's with thanksgiving. It's with thanksgiving. Never, never should our prayers to him, even in asking him, should it ever be divorced from, from thanksgiving. Right from, from giving thanks for what he has done in saving us. And yet, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The cross should shape and inform our prayers. right? Because this Thanksgiving, every time, think about this, every time we talk to God, we should be mindful that he's made a way for us to talk to God. Right? He did not leave us in a state of hopelessness. And helplessness, he came, and it's no way we could reach him, and so he reached us. He came to us through his son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life and died the death that you and I deserved and was buried and was, ro- was raised from the dead on the third day, and he's made a way to talk to God. That's incredible grace. So in our prayers, let's be, let's be thankful. We have great friends in the Middle East that they do a thankful journal. And every Thanksgiving, they spend with their family about 10 to 12 hours reading each individual member of the family. And this one particular brother last year had written down 1,200 things in his journal. That takes a long time throughout the day, but you spend 10 to 12 hours thanking God for the past year of events. Let's go cultivate generosity and Thanksgiving in your heart, isn't it? It will affect your prayer life as well. So let's, let's be thankful in our prayers. Now notice what the text says. Now this is quite fascinating. Notice the text. says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word. Now notice what's going on here. This, this, this is interesting in the details. As I'm reading this, knowing the context that this is one of the prison epistles, he is in prison writing this letter. As I read this, and I know this context, probably from the one delivered, the original recipients, Tychicus had given it to him, said this is from Paul. Paul's in prison, but he wrote he couldn't come here, he'd love to be here with you. And I'm thinking it should read and pray also for us, that's Paul and those that are in prison with him, that God would open the cell door. That's what I would have. That's what I would have written. Right? That's not what he wrote. Oh, he asked for a door to be open, but it wasn't the cell door. Right? He asked for a door to be open. He asked for a door for the Word to go out while he's in the cell. Do you see that? This is, this is tremendous. This is, this is amazing, and I love the way he starts it. That God, this is a God-centered prayer. It doesn't start with his needs. It starts with God. That God may open to us A door for the word to go forth. Now listen, I want to show you something. This is fascinating. In Colossians, if you would flip over one book. So just turn a few pages to Philippians. Turn over to Philippians. And in chapter 1, I want to show you in verse 12 and 13 of this amazing book. What he's writing Philippians is a letter to the people at Philippi, also written from prison. Notice in verse twelve what Paul says: "I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel." What's happened to him? He's in prison, right? I'm thinking. See, every time the folks try to stop the gospel, it actually spreads the gospel, right? And and so, verse thirteen: so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment. Is for Christ. Now, who knows why Paul is in prison? Who's it become known to? The guards. Is he complaining while he's in the cell? Is he celebrating the gospel? He's celebrating, isn't he? He said he's sharing the gospel with those that are maybe bringing him food, that are put him in the cuffs, got him in the, in the, in the jail. He's, he's in such a posture of thanksgiving that he's sharing the gospel with those that have imprisoned him to the point. Now flip over to Philippians chapter 4. When you get to Philippians chapter 4, in your Bible, you may have a small bowl writing that says, final greetings and sometimes when we get to these last two verses of a book we kind of skip over them right it's sort of ending the book but notice what it says it says greet every saint in christ jesus the brothers who are with me greet you those that have been arrested with him and then in verse 22 and all the saints greet you especially those of caesar's household what's going on here the guards have come to faith, I believe, in Christ. They're looking through that cell door. Paul, what are you doing? I'm writing a letter to exhort the Christians back in Philippi. Tell them that we said, hey, this is what's going on. They're receiving greetings on the other side of the door because God had opened a door, not the cell door, but another door to their hearts to receive the gospel. And this is what he's asking now from the Colossians. Would you pray that God would open this door. Listen, let me ask you this question in a way of application. What opportunities do you find yourself in in, in where your first thought is, God, would you get me out of this place? Maybe instead you could ask God, while I'm in this place, would you open a door for me to share the gospel? Even if it's hard. Even if it's hard, Right? Oh, God, listen, listen, most of the time we want to get out rather than than God allow me to speak while I'm in this place. So let's share the gospel prayerfully. Let's, Let's be attentive and alert in our prayers to God. Second truth is this, let's share the gospel boldly. Let's share the gospel boldly, not arrogantly, but boldly. Notice what he says, in verse 3, open to us a door for the word to declare. He wants a, a de- declaration to be known about this mystery of Christ. This, this mystery. What is this, what is this mystery? Well, Titus helps us with this mystery. In Titus chapter 3, he says, For we ourselves were once foolish and disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. We might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This mystery oh, it's not a mystery anymore, because eyes have been opened, this promise that comes in Genesis chapter three, where eyes were probably on every patriarch of the Old Testament, wondering if this is the promised one. And little to know that they know that the promised one wouldn't come in royal fashion in one sense, but came in a manger born on that night in Bethlehem. And then he would live a perfect life that's required by God to be made right and to know him. And then he, he, Jesus the Son of God, the Christ, would die and be on a cross. It's not the physical pain that's the horror of the cross. It's the fact that it was dark that day in the sense of God's wrath being poured on him, and he drank Every drop of God's wrath on the cross. And this, in a bad news world, is the best news that you will ever, ever hear. And he was buried. And not only was he buried, but he came back from the dead. He came back from the dead. Let that rest on you to never taste death again. Oh, he raised people from the dead, but they still had a funeral one day. This one didn't have a funeral right? This mystery, this this gospel. Oh, listen, deeper belief in this gospel creates incredible boldness. Deeper belief. It's not that you go past the gospel, you go deeper in the gospel. Deeper beliefs in rehearsing the truths of the gospel, what God has done. It Fuels this boldness, not arrogance. It's it's humbling, in a sense. But there's confidence that comes with this. Periodically, when I feel myself wanting to cower and not have courage, I'll pray this prayer for about seven days in a row. It it begins the, the, the word. Think of this word with me. The word bow before God. As you bow before God, right? B-O-W. I'll pray this oftentimes every day for seven days. God, give me boldness. Give me an opportunity. Open a door and give me wisdom. And as I begin to pray that every day for God to open these doors and give me wisdom and give me boldness to just, you know that when you feel like the Spirit wants you to share and and the nervousness comes and and there's an approval of man that we all want Right? And the fear of man comes, and, 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 the, and the, for me, sometimes the blood starts flowing, and, and then I take that step of being bold and just opening my mouth to proclaim the gospel God does amazing things. So I had been praying this for some time, and I'm at the gym at the YMCA trying to stay in shape so I can still put up some shots. And, and I'm on the, the, the treadmill just praying for an opportunity. And this brother comes in beside me. He's probably 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, 270, thick, right? Just thick. And I feel the Spirit pressing in on me to share with him. And I'm like, he's too thick, <laughs> right? He's too thick. He could take me down in a heartbeat. And I'm just doing my thing on the treadmill, and the Lord's like, open your mouth. And I'm like, I don't want to open my mouth. He's going to shut it. <laughs> and I'm going along, and I'm just like, all right, let's go for it. And I'm like, what's up, my man? He's like, what's up? <clears throat> I said, what's your name? He goes, Lazarus. And I'm like, this is going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be good. This is going to be well. Well, I started picking it up a little bit faster, right? (laughs) right. And Lazarus, college football player, had just buried a teammate. Mm. Death was everywhere around him. About five minutes later, this large man. Stepped off the treadmill, and we stepped into the hallway of the gym, and he trusted Christ, right? You never know what God's going to do, right? When you take that step of boldness, he goes before you, and he's behind you pushing, isn't he? So listen, listen, let's pray that God would give us not arrogance, but boldness. 2 Timothy 1 says, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. God, would you give us this type of courage to share? Also, third, quickly, let's share the gospel clearly. Let's share the gospel clearly. Now notice in verse 4, it's still part of his request in the prayer, is that, that they would be able to make this gospel, this evangelism, this sharing of the gospel that, that they would that God would make it clear, that they would, would be able to speak it in such a way that it would not confuse people, but it would be extremely clear. And so, in one word, I love the way Tim Keller says it. He goes, let's out-narrate our culture in conversations. Let's, let's, let's understand this meta-narrative of the Bible in such a way that we could engage. Now, let me walk you through this really quick. It's, I love the book of Acts, one of my favorite books uh, in, in the Bible. It's uh, quite a few nuggets in this book. Um, one of them is the fact that um, God saved many people. The word for salvation is used um, 11 different times, and each time it's always God acting upon the heart. And so it came through the means of someone opening their mouth, but God did it. God's the sovereign one over these things, right? If he's not sovereign, I don't want to share <laughs> in one sense because he's going before us. He's the strong one. But in Acts chapter 2, where you have the birth of the New Testament church in one sense, you have Peter standing up. right now, I love how the Spirit of God has worked through him because he's just... Um He's the one that stands up to Christ, and then uh, Christ rebukes, and then there's a teenage girl that comes to him, uh, and, and he, he cowards in a way to her. I don't know who this guy is, Jesus. And then the Spirit of God comes, and at the, at the outpouring of the Spirit, he begins to preach. It's there, Pentecost, where he's preaching from Joel. So, so he's doing an exposition on the book of Job from the, from the Old Testament. Uh, acts hadn't been written yet. He, the, the, the acts are being played out while he's doing this, right? It's is recorded by Luke later. And as he's preaching, there's a familiarity with God, his, his audience, his context, Right? They know who, when he says Joel, they know who he's talking about. And as he walks through and points that Joel's pointing them to Jesus, um, the 3,000 come to faith. It's amazing what happens. Right? Well, then the gospel begins to spread. And what's fascinating is by uh, chapter 8, and chapter 8, I believe it is, it says that, that because Jesus has said from Jerusalem to Jemaire to, to, to the ends of the earth, right, this gospel's going to go. Um, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Stephen's martyred in chapter 7. Persecution is coming now, and it spreads. Right, they, they spread it in the sense of trying to stop it out. But when you stop it, it spread. And 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 lay people moved out and churches were planted. The gospel goes forward, but you get to 17, Acts 17, and you've got a different audience as Paul walks into Athens. He goes to the synagogue first to reason, but then he's walking them on the marketplace. And there's no you can't say Joel in the marketplace in Athens. There's no familiarity with Joel. Matter of fact, they've set up an altar that says to the unknown God. And what Paul does is he begins to navigate the conversation, not dropping street addresses from the Bible, but just navigating the story in a narrative form that, hey, this this one that you have set up to let me tell you about the God that I know, who's creator of all things, who has come. And yet in our sin, we've, rebelled. We, we've never had to train our children to disobey us. <laughs> we didn't send them to disobedience school. It just comes natural in the heart, right? And yet Jesus has come and He's made a way to know God, right? And I love the way He's speaking it with such clarity, not having to drop certain verses because they weren't even familiar with the verses. He's engaging in their world. He's being truthful to the content of the gospel And extremely clear. So much so that you have three responses. I love the end of Acts 17. You've got the response that some mocked him. Some said, we'll hear you more on this. And some believed. And friends, listen. That's really about the only three things that are going to happen every single time. They'll ridicule you. They may curse you. May punch you. Some of our brothers and sisters around the world are killed at that moment. Then they, they may say, How? I've got some questions about that. Receive that. Walk with them. Grab some coffee and a book and get after it. And just inviting those questions, good questions, objections. Some of you may have objections this morning that are here. We welcome those, we want to navigate those with you. And some are going to believe. Some are going to believe. And if you've never been in the birth room, <laughs> it's glorious. I watched all four of my kids enter into this world. Right? How do you, how do you swim in water for nine months? Come out, they smack you, you start breathing. <laughs> That's just crazy. Right? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Absolute miracle of God. It's a miracle when one turns from sin and trusts in Jesus and goes from the dominion of darkness and enters into the eternal scope of knowing God and hope to be with God one day and it's glorious absolutely glorious so listen let's let's be clear let's be let's be so clear right that we understand this book let's let's read this book if you've never read it let me just encourage you to read it from cover to cover to understand All that God's doing, it's 66 books, but it's one book. There's one hero of the story named Jesus. My wife went to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And North Carolina, Chapel Hill, the head of the New Testament, the chair of the New Testament department in Chapel Hill, had gone to um, Trinity, Wheaton, Princeton, got a Ph.D. in New Testament, Ph.D. in Greek, your Greek Your New Testament Bible is written originally in Greek. Um, He's rather bright. And yet, he renounces his faith in Jesus. He doesn't believe Jesus. But he teaches New Testament at Chapel Hill, right? I'm like, just go to the business department, (laughs) right? And so this is the way he starts every freshman class at Chapel Hill with about 500 freshmen. He comes in with a smirk on his face. He says, welcome, here's the syllabus. Let me ask a few questions to get our semester started. Um, I want to ask you, how many of you have read The Hunger Games? Pick uh, something that a lot of the the kids are reading in high school and classes and certain stuff. And just about all 500 hands go up. He goes, okay, great. Let me ask you another question. Um, How many in here believe that God wrote the Bible? And just about, just about every hand, respect, a little bit of respect for this book, God, just about every hand. And then he asks this poignant question How many of you have read the entire Bible? Maybe 10 or 15 hands. And then this is what he says as he leans in. He goes, Now, I didn't tell you, you told me, by the way, I asked the question, that you've read the Hunger Games. That you tell me God wrote a book and you haven't read it? You know why you haven't read it because you don't believe it's true. And I'm going to prove to you this semester why it's not. Welcome to Introduction to the New Testament at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Crushes people's faith. 500 a semester of freshmen. Let's read this book. Let's let's understand with clarity that Jesus is not a way, but Jesus is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through Him. So let's let's be clear. Let's be crystal clear in, in how we present this gospel. I love the way Tim Keller says it. He says the Christian gospel is that I'm so flawed that Jesus had to die for me, yet I'm so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. It undermines both swaggering and sniffling. I cannot feel superior to anyone, and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. I do not think more of myself nor less of myself. Instead, I think of myself less. Listen, there's confusion, is it not, over this This our state of humanity, as well as the Bible. There's there's two really quick, let me share them with you. Uh, Some will say I'm too bad to be loved by God, and others say that I'm not that bad, I should be loved by God. These are two extremes, and let me just speak into both of those. If you're here this morning and you think you're too bad to be loved by God, what we say at Providence a lot is there's more grace in God than sin in me. And there's good news for you this morning, that He loves you. If you're in that camp where you say, I'm not that bad, I should be loved by God, let me me encourage you. There's not enough righteous deeds in you to reach the righteous one. This is why earlier Jehiel encouraged us that he who knew no sin had become sin for us. It's the great exchange of our sin on him and his righteousness imputed to us. And he looks on us, God looks on us with his son's righteousness for those who's repented and trusted in his son. This is good news this morning, church. Oh, listen, if, you, if you're walking through life and you're trying to take all the good deeds and add them up, they won't be enough at the last day. And I share that with you in love. There's just not enough that you can do. I'll never forget how God reminds me of these things uh, through sports that I play. I had the opportunity to travel on a team. I know it's hard for be to believe, but to travel on a team and play over in China for two weeks. And many of the players who played at Wake Forest University and St. Augs and other schools in the area, in the Triangle. And as we're over there traveling from city to city, now we're, we're all the ones that, that couldn't make it to any other next level. And so we're we're lighting it up at the YMCA, right? And, and then, But we love Jesus. We want to take this good news to China through the sport of basketball. And as we're over there, we're traveling. It's, it's quite unique because we take a guy with us who's the Guinness Book World Record holder for spinning basketballs. He's been on the late show on all these different things. And so when he'd step off the bus, he would start spinning. Government officials were there. We were shocked. We had a police escort from city to city. Um, about 5,000 people would be at each city waiting with a USA banner across, USA basketball banner, right? And so I began to think, the maybe I am that pretty good, and, uh, and, but I'm not. And, and so we would get out, and there'd be a huge sh- sign that had Shaquille O'Neal's picture on it, right? And, 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 and the, the, the governor from the province would be there to welcome us, and we'd have a, a dinner, and then we'd go to a game, and there'd be a couple thousand people outside the gym and 5,000 people inside the gym. And, and so as we were playing, we had a couple. We had three guys: uh, one six nine, six ten, six nine. So we had some heights, and they could they could hop. And, and it was just an inc- incredible time to play. And so in this last game, we were playing against a college that we took three of our players from the U.S. team and played for the Chinese team. And then three of those players played for the U.S. team. Just some good PR, just some, some good. It was on TV. All these things, and I'll never forget the gym's packed. And, and it's, uh, it's coming up on halftime, and at the uh, end of halftime, I end up getting a, a rebound and, and turning, and knowing I've got the full length of the court to go, um, knowing there's only about two seconds to go, I just said, let's go for it. And so one arm, right, three-quarters length of the, of the court, sling it. And as it goes out of my hand, I start thinking to myself, this is looking good, and and as it gets closer and closer, it's nothing but buckets, bottom. It goes in, right? Swish, not even backboard. And, of course, being a prideful man that I am, I'm, the place erupts. I erupt. I go to Cinnacore. woo I'm just I'm basking in my glory. I'm just loving this. This is amazing, right? Places are going. I'm also thinking in my back of my head like, like this is being videoed. I wonder who else saw it, right? And then God begins to kindly work on my heart because we're playing international rules. International rules, the ball has to be through the rim for the bucket to count, right? And the bucket, the buzzer went off while it was in midair. And so the ref comes up and says, no basket. And I'm like, no, 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 no. wait. This This is back home. Well, you're not back home. You're in China. (laughs) And uh, I'm like, you got to be kidding. And then even my pride, right, my pride was so bad that when we got home, I set up a date night for my wife and I to watch some of the games, right, to watch some of the games. My arm around her, the magical moment is coming to the screen, the magical moment of of the shot, on the screen, date night, arm around, I'm nudging her, watch this, right, right, the screen goes black, right when I get the rebound, right when I get the rebound, the screen goes black, and I'm like, baby, hold on, it's okay, and I call my buddy, I'm like, dude, what, uh, you gave me the tape, like, what's going on? He goes, bro, I forgot to tell you, I knew it was halftime, so I turned the tape off. Mm. And in that moment, God whispered, right? He hadn't spoke through a a burning bush to me, but he whispered loudly through that screen, I'm not that impressed with the shot. I'm not that impressed with you. I'm impressed with my son and you making him known and not yourself. So listen, let's be clear. There's one hero in this story, and his name is Jesus. No other name. No other name. Quickly. Number four, let's share the gospel wisely. Let's share the gospel wisely. Really quick, I'll land this plane shortly here. He says, to conduct yourself. So the idea of conducting means a way you act. So you not just speak wisdom or speak wisely. There's a way you also live that reflects that which you believe. He says to conduct, this is, this is the idea of moving throughout the week, and moving throughout the day, and moving throughout athletics, and moving throughout wherever God has you with a wisdom that reflects the Word, with a wisdom that reflects God and His character, His ways. There's a, there's a wisdom, there's a way to live that shows there is a God. Now this is not evangelism. But it gives you a platform and bridges those conversations. And so to conduct yourselves wisely, God uses in a massive way to connect with folks. Matter of fact, do you know how the text ends here? It ends by saying, so you ought to to know how to answer each person. In order for you to answer, something has to be asked to you. Right? So I believe there's a way that you can live in such a way in wisdom that, that propels other people to ask you so that you can give the answer. Right? Because we're oftentimes telling the church to go share. I'm also that, and that's true, but I'm also going to suggest to you that there's a way that you live in such a winsome and wise way that people are propelled to ask, Why do you do this? I had the incredible joy two weeks ago. There's a 59 year old lady saying in our church, who uh, has never been married, who has, uh, working on a house, she's real outdoorsy, she was working on a house, she fell off the ladder and broke both knees. Now, she's been engaged to this um, man who's an army vet and, and a, a rugged guy, but a servant, uh, he's, he's fought some serious battles overseas, um, and, and so they're engaged, and I'm walking with them to, to, to do a wedding eventually with them. Now she's fallen off the ladder. She's broken both knees. She can't walk at all. So this brother wants to carry her everywhere she goes. It's precious, right? But then you move into some, some intricacies, right, of, now, do I move in with her, and where do I sleep? And Because we have family members that aren't followers of Jesus. We want to do this wedding right, and we want to do this life right. We want to be wise, Right In such a way that, that, so we could build platforms to share the gospel with our extended family members. And so they come to my office. She's in a wheelchair. He's standing there. They're perplexed. She's 59 and never never been married. This is her first wedding. And she says this. What if we just got married in the office today so he could go ahead and move in? And then he could be moved in because I can't get around. And then we'll just celebrate with a big barbecue and express to people what we did. And so I grabbed two folks out of the lobby as witnesses, moved into my office at 12 o'clock on Sunday, and married them. I've done a lot of weddings. That was one of the sweetest I've ever done. No cake no dancing, a desire to be wise and live in such a way that they would reflect Jesus. So let's do the wedding today because I can't walk and I need help. And he can move in. Wanting to be wise in a world that's gone crazy. If you lack wisdom, God says to ask. So, a way of application. Let's ask God for wisdom. Last, and we'll close it, we'll land this plane. Let's share the gospel graciously. Notice in verse 5, it says to, in verse 6, let your speech always be gracious. Let it always be gracious, seasoned with salt, right? Kindness, yet seasoned with salt. Salt does two things, right? It stings and it heals, right? It it, it stings. You've got a cut and you go into the ocean. That salt water burns at first, but it's healing. It's healing, right? And so our speech should be, sometimes it may sting, but no God's going to use it to bring healing, to the heart. This is what our speech could do. It's also salt. It preserves, does it not? There's a preservation that, that is associated with salt that even in ancient times, um, it was used to protect food against bacteria and mold and spoiling. And, and it, it worked by drying the food. It absorbed water from foods, making the environment too dry to support harmful mold or bacteria. It's kind of my mom used to cook these, country, these Virginia country hams and load it up with salt right? To preserve the, the flavor, right? The next morning, you have to drink about 10 glasses of milk and, and, and water because you, you got so much salt in your mouth, but it's good going down, right? With a biscuit and, and country ham. But listen, listen. this is the way our speech is, right? Is our speech preser- preserving? Is it, is, it, is it preservative in the sense that it's, it's speaking in such a way that it protects uh, against those, those bacteria that are coming? Are you adding to that? Well, listen, in closing, Charles Spurgeon helps us this morning. He says this. He says, if, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, employing them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our energies. And let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. Oh, listen. To, uh, is, your, is your speech... Gracious? Is it full of grace? Think about me this morning as as, as we're asking and we close that, that God would you make us a people who are prayerful and bold and clearly speaking this and wise and gracious as we go. And what could God do? What could God do through you living in such a way? Living in such a way you're attentive, you're alert, you're moving through the day, throughout the week, taking opportunities. Listen, One particular college student, one college student out in California years ago, took the opportunity to sit down over lunch and share the gospel with another college student. One college student being faithful to just sit down over lunch with an individual by themselves to engage in conversations and share the gospel. This particular man who was hearing the gospel for the first time was from Amon, Jordan. And as he's sitting there hearing these things, the Spirit of God brings conviction of sin, and he repents and trusts in Jesus at the, that moment, it radically changed the direction of his life. He was there for medical school. He changes the direction of his life in such a way that he ends up going to Dallas Theological Seminary and getting a Ph.D. in Bible exposition and moving back to Jordan, his home country, and establishing the Jordan Evangelical Theological Seminary that's now have planted churches in 27 Arab speaking countries around this particular seminary. And one particular brother who had helped run the extension program in Baghdad was saved as he was driving a tank in the Gulf War through World Radio listening to it in his ear. And he runs the extension of the seminary. One, one college student One college student, being faithful to share with one in need. What would God do? What would God do? And listen, we want to reach this area. We want to reach this community. And sometimes that's an overwhelming task, is it not? But here's what we say back at at Riley. We say, let's each one reach one. Let's each one reach one. It starts one heart at a time, one heart at a time, being faithful to share the greatest news on the planet. Jesus Christ dies for sinners. He's risen, the dead, and He's coming back. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Father, we love You. Thank You for the day. Thank You for this precious church and all that You're using them in this community. May You continue to raise them up in order to raise You up and lift You high. And You tell us, God, we, we claim this promise this morning that You tell us in John that when You, Jesus, are lifted, when You are lifted high, You draw people to Yourself. And so, God, may ARC do this in a sweet way. Give them favor, God. Give them favor in this community. And Lord, we know that the light that shines the brightest at home shines the farthest away. And so, God, raise up folks to share the gospel here and then send folks out. May they be moved on mission to take this good news to the ends of the earth, God. And you tell us in Matthew 24 that when, when all have heard that you're going to fold history up. And Lord, we want to be. We're amazed that we're, we're, we're a part of that. We're amazed that that you would make your appeal through us as sinful people saved by the grace of God. So would you do a great work, Father. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.